You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Podcast Detroit. This is Liz Reed, your resident guru. I'm here with a couple of my good friends, Julie and Dar. How are you ladies doing today? Very good. Excellent. Uh, I'm so excited. This is our first live show. Are we live? Yeah. Are we live? We're live. I'm so excited. We're live. These two are not. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It's going to be okay. Okay. The cam- pretty soon you won't even notice the camera's there. Okay. I until you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just pretend like it's not there, but it is awfully exciting to do a live show so people can actually see what we look like. This is what I look like without my ears on. There we go. <laughs> hey, that's me. I am Liz, your resident guru. These are my girls, and we're going to talk about some pretty interesting stuff today. I think the dark parts of the brain there and back. Sounds kind of ominous, but definitely something that everybody, whether you're involved with a counselor, therapist, uh, psychiatrist or whatever deals with going uh, at some point in their life, ruminating, ruminating thoughts, Mm -hmm. things that are troublesome that we talk about and we constantly go over and over again that lead to nowhere. It's kind of like the abyss. It's kind of like you and I have talked about before with uh, playing the tape through. Yeah. But the tape keeps going back to hell. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it doesn't go anywhere It's like positive. the rewind button is stuck. And the mm. rewind button is way stuck. So that's not a good thing, right? So I'm quickly going to read a disclaimer. Uh, the information in the podcast is for educational purposes only and it's not meant to replace treatment or diagnosis by a qualified mental health professional, which is me, but I'm off duty right now doing my thing with my girls. So I'm so glad you guys are here. For our maiden voyage live here at Podcast Detroit. Dull silence. <laughs> you guys better be laughing. Okay, it's good we're to be here. Back. We're here. Okay, good to think. Okay, so what exactly is rumination? What exactly is a ruminating thought? So that is a repetitive thought that keeps going over and over in your head that you can't seem to get rid of, right? So, in a lot of ways, for you, Julie, in addiction, we have you and me. We have a lot of ruminating thoughts, right? For a lot sure. of things that yep. go back and forth in our head that we can't seem to shake. For you, it manifested in depressive thoughts, right? Yes. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> Very much so. Absolutely. And um, so I kind of want to talk a little bit about how they relate to our lives in our ways. And then we'll go into how therapy, counseling, AA, all those kinds of things that were helpful for all of us sitting here to help us to move forward in our life. Um, one of the things that I say all the time to my patients is when you are ruminating, when you are going down that rabbit hole, going into your dark thoughts, you need somebody to be there with you. Don't go there by yourself. And why would any of you think that possibly is? Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's um, yeah. left to our own devices. I mean, I know that like <clears throat> when you're just thinking, 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 you go down this hole and like I, my own best thinking will just get me in more trouble. So yeah. I need to share this so that other people, especially those people who have come to know me the best, can 
kind of chime in and and remind me that those thoughts that I'm having are not true. They are not factual. Mm-hmm. They are, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's when I go crazy town. Yeah, absolutely. So, and depression, and what would you say for depression? Um, again, it, it takes you back to where you feel like it's almost like a loop. Of, mm-hmm. And it just plays over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to get out of a thought pattern mm-hmm. when it just keeps going on and on and on. Yeah. And and so one of the things that we often do when we're ruminating is we isolate. You know, we like to take that time to be by ourselves, to sit around, to think about it, to um, read a book. Yeah. Read a book, which was <laughs> or two, interesting. Or, or three. Th- yes. Okay. So that was an interesting topic we had the other day. So we, we went out to dinner the other night. We were talking about this. So one of the warning signs, I think we always think about um, with depression that if you're depressed or having problems that you're giving up things that you normally do that make you happy, right? So one of the things that Char did was she picked up something that she didn't normally do. So that is interesting yeah. because it was what, my escape. It's avoidance. Yeah, yeah. It's avoiding what's really going mm-hmm. on. What were you doing at that time? You thought you started reading excessively. Yeah. Um, I, I was just still dealing with a terrific amount of pain. Yeah. Um, still not sleeping. Didn't know how to sleep more than f- mm-hmm. f- four hours was a really good night. Wow. You know, that is amazing. And I did that for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, yeah. just how it was. Yeah. And that'll just wear you down to mm-hmm. a nub. And so when you started, when you picked up a book, did you find that it helped you to stop thinking about yes. what you were normally thinking because about? You, you can focus yeah. then on the book. You know, and that's kind of a double edged sword because, in a lot of respects, um, thinking about or doing things that are different than what you normally do help you to feel better. That's what I was thinking. Like, I was thinking, well, that might. Couldn't that be a positive coping mechanism? Because yeah, you're it, getting it out of yourself. It, it was at first, mm-hmm. but then it became obsessive. Obsessive, right? You know, I had retired, so it's like it didn't hit me as strange that yeah, I think I do want to read. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Um, but usually, I was the type that would read um, self help books, uh, biographies, autobiographies, and. That's not what I was reading. I was no. reading novels. Okay. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Things that just so I could just Im- immerse. Yeah. Right into mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And escape. And it's you kind of come out of it when you're reading a lot. I just finished a book recently that was written by a family member, which was outstanding. By the way, it was really really good. I certainly hope that um, at some point it is uh, picked up by a publisher. It's called Shadow and I, and he's a psychotherapist as well. And I was, you know, he had asked me to read it. I said I'd love to read it. My sister had read it, and when I read it, I was like, dude, wow, man, <laughs> you're like really a good writer. I mean, who edited this? He's like me and a few friends. I'm like, wow. You know, suspenseful yeah. and interesting and really, really good. Um, but anyways, I found that while I was reading, I really looked forward to it because I've kind of gotten away from reading. Me too. Yeah. And I don't like to do that. I don't like to constantly be dependent on television. I like to, you know, read to better myself to keep – I think it enhances you, makes you feel better. Yeah. I, it keeps your your brain more active. Alert. Yeah, and stra- Yeah, and able to um, absorb knowledge easier. I think I, I I think it's very it's a great exercise for the brain mm-hmm. yeah. you know all those kinds of things. So I vowed as we were talking about not any having any uh, resolutions for New Year's that I would start reading again because it really made me feel good. But it can at times become 
obsessive and be an escape. So we find this also in another respect um, when we have people that are constantly up in everybody else's business. Mm. That way they don't have to think about their problems. Mm. You know? Do you know yeah. people like that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. They're always on Facebook or putting up their big stuff about what's going on in their life and what's so depressing and what's so hard. So it's kind of a fine line between what's going to be a cure and what's going to become an obsession. Kind of have to, mm-hmm. to figure that out. But the thing of it is, when is it a problem? When do we figure out it's a problem? You know, like in Jules, if you're talking about your addiction and, and you know, when you started using, um, when did you finally figure out it was a problem? Well, when it affected my daily life, when when it mm-hmm. became um, my focus to the point that I couldn't focus on other things. You know, I, I was able to fool myself for a long time, especially because I was young. And when I started, you know, I worked in bars and all my friends worked in bars. Yeah. And we were in our early 20s. Like, it sure. was okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got into be like, to my late 20s and my early 30s, which is when I finally sobered up, you know, life was not progressing. And I was really getting to be unemployable. I couldn't get to work anymore. And the obsessive thoughts. I mean, if I wasn't using, I was I was tr- obsessing about how and when. Yeah. And then, like, after the using, then it becomes obsessing about how and how the bills are going to get paid and how where the money's going to come from because mm-hmm. I spent all the money and like oh my god I think about those days and luckily they're they're far gone now. I mean mm-hmm. it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. But man like it was difficult. And people yeah. people say like getting sober is hard for me like man I don't know like living that way was was way harder than getting sober ever was for me. I mean I don't mm-hmm. know that that sounds probably a little simple but No but it's true. It's very true. I mean, stressing and focusing on, um, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to get the money? How am I going to juggle this? You know, how am I going to juggle my family? How am I going to keep everybody off my back? That yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, like you just can't live. I I could not live my life normally because I was so impaired. And I mean, I couldn't make plans. Like if you asked me to come over next Tuesday for dinner, I I really wouldn't say yes because I don't I don't really know how I'm going to be next Tuesday. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I'd like to think I would be there, but I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what's going to happen on Monday. I might be gone for four days. Like, I don't know. Sure. I don't know. Well, I remember that with myself with, with hangovers, when hangovers got to be too much. I mean, that's when I stopped using cocaine was because they just made the hangovers ten times worse because uh, you wouldn't know the shark. God love you. But um, <laughs> when you do cocaine, you have a hollow leg and you can drink more alcohol than any human being mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah, right? for so, sure. And I had an anxiety disorder. So... Um, I know, so that's why Coke really didn't work for me. You know what I mean? I do a little, a line and have to do like, you know, six cocktails yeah. to relax me. All right. <laughs> you know, it does seem insane. It now. does. It's, it's a, you're chasing your tail, you know, and then you go into the guilt trip and, you know, the next day of hating yourself and those kinds of things. Yeah. You know, um, when you, Shar, when you were thinking about when in depression, you were, you were t- telling a story to me about sitting, um, on a little cushion, we'll label it depression. And you were looking over the edge into the hole. Yeah. What was that like for you? Uh, as my depression worsened, um, I ended up, like Liz said, looking into this black hole. Mm-hmm. And it, it would just draw you. And... Pretty soon it would just become your entire focus. Mm-hmm. So you're just sitting there in blackness, you know. And what you don't realize is 
by the time you get to that level or that stage, um, it's almost already too late if, yeah. if nobody else knows. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember um, I had um, tried to commit suicide at the end of December, and I remember in early December going to my uh, family doctor and talked a little bit about it, but I was really yeah. vague because mm-hmm. I was always doing well. <laughs> yes. Know? She's the upbeat person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he um, prescribed a medication for me. Well, that particular medication, like many of them, mm-hmm. does not work immediately. Mm-hmm. No. It right. takes six weeks or Sure. More, Four to six weeks at least. Yeah, mm-hmm. To begin working. Mm-hmm. Well, I only had two weeks in between yeah. asking, in my own way, asking mm-hmm. for some help. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like I said, I, I was already too far into it mm-hmm. um, to pull back. And I didn't want to pull back. You know, I mean, I yeah. I had a goal here, you know. Yeah. And that is a point to be remembered and understood is when you have your mind set on it, like you and I were talking, if you're ready to commit suicide, Two weeks prior isn't going to help. Right. You should have asked for help when the first signs came around. Mm-hmm. But why didn't you? I mean, why didn't you? It, it was really gradual, though, because like the year prior, it, it was more of a whisper. And it was, yeah. I'd go to bed at night and like sometimes I'd, uh, not sometimes, many, many, many times I would say, God, don't let me wake up tomorrow. Yeah. I just don't want to do this again. Mm-hmm. You know, and I lived that way for a year, mm-hmm. you know, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, rumination. Without um, a doubt. And you didn't talk about this with people. You no. just, it was Mm-mm. just your own private. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just my little personal, you know. Thing that you were keeping to yourself. Mm-hmm. And then that small seed germinates. And it starts getting bigger. Bigger and, and bigger. Mm-hmm. And you start thinking, well... If nothing, if I keep waking up like this every morning, mm-hmm. apparently I have to take matters, matters my into hands. my own hands. Mm-hmm. Without know. a doubt. And and a little backstory for anybody who hasn't heard the prior podcast Char was on with us um, a while ago. Um, yours emanated originally most of your depression from pain. Yes. Mm-hmm. You did have some past trauma as the growing mm-hmm. up and so mm-hmm. forth, but you were a functioning, well-adjusted woman, had a great job, did well, blah, 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 ABC, you know, always on it, always on it, clean. She was a real cleaner, a real, real cleaner. <laughs> real clear. As my sister Fran Can and I always over, say. Please, yeah, I come over, please, I really need you this week, especially. <laughs> my sister Fran is, and I talk about, we didn't get Grandma Stella's clean gene at all. No, no it's I like. Didn't, I did not get it either. Yeah, I call it organized chaos around my place, but. Anyways, but it was gradual that you were uh, ruminating, thinking about it, and slowly but surely thought, I just don't want to have this pain anymore, so it's better if I just take myself out. Yeah. But was your husband worried? Was he ever worried at any point? I don't think he was on that level. Mm -hmm. Because you were putting up such a wall? Yeah. I mean, he knew I was frustrated. Mm -hmm. Because you'd Um, been to every doctor for your pain. Um, We had tried, you know, quite a few different things. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, this depression also had come in off of uh, the heels of a year where I had four surgeries, 
my husband had four surgeries yeah. and my mother passed away. Mm-hmm. All in, yeah, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Technically, actually, all in eight months. Wow, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. And it's and you know that's when we start questioning our own mortality, and um, and the and the bad thing about death is it's really final. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, it's like you know people get really overwhelmed with that. Like I'm never going to see this person ever again, right? And no, so I'm thinking about relief. Right. Relief, relief, relief. Mm -hmm. That's the whole Mm -hmm. thing. Because I I, mentioned to you in the car that, you know, if if you survive this long, then what would two more weeks, you know, or four more weeks mean to you uh, to start taking the proper medication to help you through your depression? You Mm -hmm. said, oh, that wouldn't have meant anything. Not at that time. No. Not on my own. No, because it was already over and done. Yeah. And she had a really good plan in place. Let me just point that out. It was a miracle. That that Toby found you for sure. Yep. Wow, without a doubt. Yeah, and then you found me. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah. She yelled at me, and then I picked her. <laughs> yeah. She called me on the phone. I'm like, "Hello." Yeah. <laughs> Hi. I'd like to come in and see you. I'm like, "Sure, all right." That was a surprise phone call. I didn't expect you were that. Thinking, oh goodness, she's still really sick. <laughs> Like, I think she likes me. Aww, she was like very, it. very spunky. Yeah, she's my good buddy now. That's How many years ago was that? Four or five? Four. Is it four? Yeah, wow. Gosh, four yeah. Time goes by way too fast, right? Yeah. yeah. Way too it, fast. It seems like a long time ago, but boy, that black hole, I, I do remember. Yeah. Yes. I do. And mm-hmm. I will just never let myself go Yes, to that point ever again. I won't. Well, eighty-five percent of our population refuses to get mental health yeah. help in any way, shape, or form because they're embarrassed of the stigma of anybody knowing that they're ill. I have people crawling, slinking around doors and waiting in alleys for me to tell them to come in, and it's absurd. Yeah, you know it is. Mm-hmm. Who was the most pinnacle person in your addiction that was helpful for you? Like, I, I don't. It doesn't. You don't have to legitimately name somebody, but that was helpful. That helped you get out of your own head. Like before, well, like when you finally realize something has to go down here, I have to, I have to start doing something. I don't know. I mean, I was definitely forced. Like, yes, um, that was true. Like, so what? What happened? And I, I think I, um, what happened was I was really spiraling like downhill fast, mm-hmm. and I was really lying, and I had always kind of maintained like some contact with my family, and I was really not able to do that because I was drinking twenty four hours a day, and I was. Smoking crack daily. Yeah. And like you don't communicate when you're doing that, right? No. So my sister Kathleen was really the one who really um, kind of spearheaded the like we must save Julie yeah. foundation, right? Because – and I mean honestly love her so much. A little bit due to her codependence though is that sure. like she was going to like um, – and she kind of assembled the play- – I mean really like – God was the one who, like, assembled the players, mm-hmm, right? But, mm-hmm. like, she kind of reached out to my cousin because they didn't know, like, what my drugs were. And my cousin was like, yeah, that doesn't sound like just drinking. And, like, he was able to get another friend who, like, mm-hmm. got another friend who, like, all came to me. So, really, I mean, I think it was in, when I got into treatment that I was just finally had just the aha moment. So I don't know that there was a person mm-hmm. – um, but really my aha moment didn't really come until nine or 10 months into sobriety mm-hmm. because like I had kind of a plan my whole like early sobriety that like, this is not forever. 
Yeah. Like, I'm going to do this for a little bit. I don't want to do drugs, but I am definitely not going to live my life like without alcohol. Like, that's insane. <laughs> Who would do that? Why would I do that? I felt the same way. Um, yeah. So it wasn't until, you know, I finally listened and learned more about the fact that I wasn't going to be able to control. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, on a different day, I would probably have a different thought of like, oh, what was it? But I mean, I don't know. I definitely think that my family saved my life by forcing me into treatment. And I have mixed emotions about sure. about forced treatment. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a good thing. It, it yeah. was a good thing for me. Mm-hmm. Because now, if I would have had my own money and my own idea, like, I had no choice but to, like, do what they told me to do. Because mm-hmm. they were supporting me in every way. So it was yeah. like, either go to rehab or legitimately move into the crack house and lose my car and mm-hmm. lose, in, lose everything. So, like, I went because I had to. Not, I didn't want to. I wasn't mm-hmm. like, yes, I want help. Not at all. Mm-hmm. But, like, two days in, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's interesting because you and I talked about this before in the last podcast is that, you know, is forced treatment good for anybody, you know, or should you be able to make the decision on your own? And we both agreed that sometimes if you're not forced, then you're never going to make that decision on right, your own. Right. And Very sometimes true. you will learn something once you're in there. So it was a positive experience when I met you on the psych ward. It was. It was. Yeah. Because look, at we're still together today, right? <laughs> we're friends now. I love you more than anything in the world. Thank you by the books. It we're so well. fabulous. You oh. gave me for Christmas. You <laughs> spoiled me so rotten. Anyways, that's a side note. Um, Anthony Bourdain's book, though, I, ha- I haven't opened it yet. Because that's still so hard on me. Okay. I will. Okay. I will. It's an interview with Anthony Bourdain. Mm. And when he died, that, that suicide was just really a tough one for me. That was one that is really, really hard for me that's to fu- accept. I agree. It was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had like I had like a lot of anger. I was really oh, me mad too. at him. Mm-hmm. And like I was also mad at him, though. This is probably going sideways. But I was always mad at him for drinking. Every yeah. time I was watching his show yeah. and he was drinking alcohol, I was like pissed. Well, he was an alcoholic for sure. Well, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And you're like a person in recovery. And like I get really cuckoo out of my mind when people who say that they are clean or sober or in recovery or recovering from something yeah. publicly mm-hmm. then consume alcohol. Yeah. I, I get – I mean if that's your story and your personal path, yeah. that's cool. And like if that works for you, that's cool. And if marijuana is part of your deal as a, as a, someone who used to – like drink alcoholically or mm-hmm. I mean not for pain like that's totally cool yeah. but I mean I'm talking about somebody who is using that as substance abuse like if that's your path that's cool but I think you have to be careful about um sending that message to people because if well, sure. I hear like oh you can still drink yes you used to yeah. shoot heroin and you can drink yeah I bet I bet I could too. Like, you know, so I think it's a yeah. really, I know yeah. better. Not going right? to happen. Mm-hmm. But like, I think it's a really dangerous. And so I kind of felt like he was one of those people that yeah. even though I could see him drinking alcoholically, mm-hmm. not my place to like judge him. Right. Mm-hmm. But I could see it, but I also liked him so much and oh, so charismatic, but I was like, dude, why are you drinking? Like, and sometimes he would look, so I get it. I mean, probably not on the level, but I feel yeah. like my, well, it, it was sad. I mean, he used to be a heroin addict and all kinds of things and overcame all of that. And, you know, but once again, depression, suicidal ideation right. does not care where what your social status is, no. how much money you have in the bank or how many people love you. And, it's yeah. how you think about yourself, which God love him. Uh, he was ruminating all yeah. day long on how and he that's felt the like heartbreaker, shit. You yeah. Know, like just thinking mm-hmm. about the turmoil that he, ugh. I hate it. Well, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are frightened to death to say anything to anybody. So I talked to one of my cousins the other day, and um, she 
uh, we're, we're kind of not, no, we're not as close with these cousins, but um, I talked to her and she was giving me an update on her side of the family. They're out in Arizona. And she was talking about um, a gay cousin of ours who she saw him recently and he had a bunch of scabs on his face, mm. lost a bunch of weight, yada, yada, yada. Arizona, lost a bunch of weight, scabs on your face in the gay community. I'm meth. not gross generalizing. You said it. Yep. Meth. Yep. She said, no, I think it's AIDS. It's not meth. I'm like, you're wrong. It's it's not AIDS. It's meth. Yeah, I hit it right away. Meth yep. is huge in the may, gay, uh, gay male community. It yep. is huge. That's not a gross generalization, but it is very big. Um, they um, There's a whole plethora of men, groups of men that get together, that sign up online. They have chat rooms. They meet at hotels and have sex and do meth for days and weeks mm-hmm. on end mm-hmm. and just keep it going. And it's and that is the first thing that I thought of. But once again, the enabling, the denial, it was like, no, no, no. How dare you? know? Don't. Why would you even say that? No, no. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not. No, we don't go immediately in 2020 now from scabs on the face, rapid weight loss. Sure, it could be a million different things, but I'm just saying, you know, to AIDS. We're not going to AIDS. Right. It's that's kind of a passe thought. Yeah. Now I go to drugs, and you know, right through Arizona is the meth highway. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. If it was in Detroit, maybe not so much. Not so much. As big here, no. But Mm -mm. yeah, those those Western states for sure. They are coming right up through Mexico. Yep. really is. So I wasn't forced into rehab. I wasn't forced um, to do anything. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I wanted to get sober because I was sick of feeling like shit <laughs> <laughs> all the time. I was sick and tired of it. Yeah, there was some beef at home, but you know what? My husband, God love you, Scott, you're an enabler. He is. He was with his first wife and he was with me. He's like, well, maybe if you just you know went back to beer, or maybe <laughs> if you just had wine once in a while. Just have three every night. No yeah, more. It, it, yeah. instead of you know uh, a whole box or three quarters <laughs> of one, you hit the, hard, the box hard last night kind of thing, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, it just, uh, I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore to myself. But I know my rumination at that point was, what a loser. I am such a loser. I, I, I hate myself for who I am. So when I did get, when I was in D, I went to, I checked myself into detox and release. Okay. But then when I left detox and release, so in there, I was thinking to myself, now I'm going to have to deal with all the hatred with the worst hangover any human being could ever have, you know, and I'm going to, and that doesn't help. <laughs> when you have a hangover, you don't have a Ugh. whole lot of self-esteem. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, and so it was more rumination on what a piece of shit I am and a loser and I'm. You know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? But slowly but surely, everything just kind of fell into place. But it was going to IOP, going to a therapist. If I, if I didn't have Sylvia Hernandez, who was my therapist there, I don't know where I'd be right now. She was just listened and took care of me and never judged me. And that was just so important. And that's why, why I'm, I am a therapist is because of her. I based off everything off of how she was kind and loving, you know. Somebody coming into therapy doesn't need to be beat up. They've been, done enough of it to themselves sure. already, yeah. you know. Last thing you need is somebody judging you. I can get a little smart here and there, but, you know, I'm not really – I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying, do you, you know, on occasion, do you see what your behavior is doing to you? Uh, you you got to have a wake up call. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think mm-hmm. you you can't you got to have some people who show you your truth. Mm-hmm. Right. W- without a doubt. You know, when going through depression or addiction, you know, we often think to ourselves, you know, when we're ruminating in thoughts, um, you know, is this really the truth what I'm thinking about myself in reality? So one of the things they say that's really good to do 
is to have somebody you trust that can tell you whether it's the truth or not. Yeah. You know, do you have anybody in your life? I do. I have I have a plethora of people in That's my life. That's awesome. I'm really, really blessed, mm-hmm. you know, from being in the recovery community for as long as I have been. Mm-hmm. I um, And I seek those people out, you know, like I um, – my relationships with them are different. And honestly, I have trouble with people a little bit who aren't in that cir- – because I can also give it to them. Like I can really say like, yikes, you're being crazy or like mm-hmm. have you looked at this or like what was your part? You know, like we're yeah. all really big into what is our part. Yeah. So it's sometimes hard for me when I'm talking to my friends who aren't in recovery because like their inability sometimes to like see their part or like, you know – um, mm-hmm. so I like to hear the truth and I, I really, my favorite people in my life are those people who can, who can tell it to me if I forget. Call you out. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Call yeah. you out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, uh, you know, you have to be aware of when you're starting to go down the rabbit hole. Does that ever happen to you? Have you, since you've been doing so much better, Shar, do you, do you see when you're getting bad or with anything's going south? Um, Really not so much. Mm-hmm. I, I really um, – I, and I think it's because of all the different things I've done once I got home. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean I had mantras taped to mirrors and refrigerators and mm-hmm. <laughs> windows mm-hmm. and yeah. <laughs> throughout my house, you know. So I was greeted and reminded of those mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I started meditating mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Yep, and I started lengthening the amount of time mm-hmm. I spent mm-hmm. in meditation mm-hmm. and prayer. Also, yeah, you know. Well, you were open too to change and music. Mm, music was is such a healer for me too. Good for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. like to have music. I can be in a really shitty mood and throw a little Madonna on, and I'm throwing down. <laughs> yeah, I am yeah. taking it down. I in have the playlists be- in the for kitchen. every event. Jackson and I have some serious <laughs> dance parties too. Do you? <laughs> Nothing can improve your mood like a little chicken dance, <laughs> or or like you know we 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 have like. Our, our list is long of songs we love. He's a cute kid. Thanks. He's a really cute kid. <laughs> yes. He really is. Um, one of the things we find besides, you know, um, if we're looking for a way to change our ruminating thoughts um, is a lot of what you just mentioned. OK. And what you were talking about. First of all, having someone you trust, somebody that you can talk to, somebody that you can be around. Also, designing the environment that you have yourself in, the people that you talk to, the people you allow into your inner circle. I just posted some things on um, Instagram about this. Be selective of who you spend your time with. Be selective who is your friend and who is your family. Just because you're born into that family does not mean you have to spend time with them. If they're taking you down, if they make you feel bad about yourself, if they're bringing up, oh, how you doing, Char? You know? Are you over that yet? Or, you know, have you thought like using again jewels that, you know, you you don't need that in your life. My family is super supportive and super amazing. However, every once in a while, they treat me like the girl that I was 14 years ago. Yes. And Uh I am the youngest. Me too. Uh, And I have made some, you know, I got pregnant. I mean, I was 39 years old, but I was just not divorced and I was totally separated. But yes, they didn't really even know about the man who I was seeing. So mm-hmm. like my pregnancy came as like a big giant, 
giant shack. Mm -hmm. And I felt like a 14-year-old who was pregnant, you Mm -hmm. know, because of like – my role in the family and I that's something that has changed since I've been a mom and with with sobriety and with is that like now I believe in myself. So while I appreciate your truth and I yeah. love the people who can tell me my truth, I also have to be an, aware enough of my truth that if you're telling me my truth is wrong and I know it's right, yeah. like there's kind of a sticky line sure. there because mm-hmm. sometimes like I can still believe that I'm like a bad little 14 year old girl who like messed up. When, like, that's not my reality. Like, no. I'm not. Like, I've really overcome. And so, like, mm-hmm. I – but I can still get kind of pushed back into that spot. But talk about ruminating thoughts. A lot of that is not reality. It's the it's sure. the things sure. that I've been taught all my life that, mm-hmm. like – and not even taught, but, like, things that I that I taught myself. Mm-hmm. You know, like these, mm-hmm. these false mantras that mm-hmm. we have that, mm-hmm. like, tell us that we're this certain person or this, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's – it's growth to figure out what the truth is and what's not the truth. Well, it is. And you have to check yourself. And I do this all the time. You know, I, I mean, I don't have it all together. I, I mean, I'm doing well in my business and in my life and, and I'm happy for that. But this is a constant ongoing process and there's going to be glitches. I'm going through, a, I'm going through a rough patch right now. I'm trying to help a couple of my brothers right now. Um, one of which won't take any of my advice, but keeps calling and asking <laughs> for it. And, and then he's like, uh, no, I'm like, okay, why am I putting myself through this? You know, he's why? Storing why? The yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> <I like that>. <laughs> actually, <coughs> excuse me. I've yet another cold. Um, he gave me a bunch of information, texted to me and I need to get a hold of all these people. But then again, I know he probably won't do anything about it, which is super frustrating. Um, you know, I have ongoing issues with my stepdaughter, you know, there's always a little something going on there. That's really stressful for me. So I have, you know, and then I find myself getting wound up, getting worked up. And I, you know, we all know I have general anxiety disorder. This is not good for me. I'm all about coming down, not going up. So I have to check myself and calm myself down and figure out, okay, Liz, wait a second. All right. What's, what, what the hell's going on here? Oh, I know what's going on. Why aren't I sleeping? Why is my colon killing me? Why is it acting up? Thank you for the emodium, Char. On the way here, she gave me an emodium. I'm like, ah, my colon's killing me. She's like, I have it right here. I'm like, you're a perfect mother. She's got all the pills in a little sack in her purse. I said, do you have a, do you have a lozenger in that bag of tricks? She's like, They're like Mary over Poppins. over-the-counter meds. Oh, yes, over-the-counter meds. Let me clarify that. But I was happy to have it. I'm going to go pick some up after this, by the way. But- the thing of it is, is I have to take into, you know, this is all self-care, all the buzzwords, all the bullshit nobody really wants to talk about because everybody uses it too much, but it's the truth. I hear problems all day long. You know, when I go home, I never talk about them to anybody or anything about my patients' problems. I'm so lucky in that way. I I, I am. I'm so blessed in that way because um, I just feel like I've done the best I can for that day and that's it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go home. I'm going to watch The Real Housewives, some trash like that. I just Love like Love it. Wow. I'm so glad I'm not her. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm so she is really fucked up. And that is not me. And that's all I care about. Right? Yeah. I, that kind of stuff. Because a lot of times I don't have the ability to think, you know, to really sit there and think about, um, you know, what's going, you know, what, you know, the, the deepness of a show or what, like Scott will say, are you going to watch that thing on the universe? I'm like, not right now, man. That's a lot of thinking. That's a lot of thinking. I don't think I'm capable of it. Right. But sometimes we have to check ourselves and figure out what it is that we're doing wrong that is ruining our lives and the people that we surround ourselves with. Um, 
a lot of times they're saying, you know, and I tell my patients to do this, write down what you are saying. And this helps you to clearly define what is the truth and what is not the truth. There's something very cathartic. They say that something opens in our brain when we write from pen to paper. That something opens up. What? What are you laughing about? That's funny. Last night I started typing, writing, typing. Uh, Did you? Yeah. Of course you'd be typing. Of course, because it's got to look right, right? Well, <laughs> and I have to be able to see it. <laughs> oh, oh, I forgot. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> That's okay. Sorry. That was mean of me. I'm sorry. I'm so mean. I forgot. Fine. <laughs> but yes, you know, when you write, when you, it, she's such a perfectionist. That's why I'm making that joke. But um, when, when you write things down, it opens up, unlocks different parts of the brain. They found this out through... Um, in uh, experiments that people will discover parts that they had forgotten about long yeah. ago. I find that like I have tried to journal via typing, you know, because sometimes I mm-hmm. either I'm laying down at night. I don't have a light by my bed, which I really don't know why I don't. I okay. need to do that. But mm-hmm. like so I won't feel like writing. Mm-hmm. So I try typing and it's not quite the same for me. There is something about the flow of of pen to paper. Oh, yeah. I think I can't make that pen go fast enough. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah. I forget. Sentences. Yeah, that's that, that's mm-hmm. true. Because that's I true. might be f- four or five sentences out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, so you can type faster. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and so can you can get you can get the stuff down. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I've been keeping a journal recently about how I feel my my health and so are we keeping you up? No, I'm sorry. I know I'm really yawning and then I try to like realize I should be doing that in the microwave. I microwave. microwave. Obviously I'm tired. She's very tired. <laughs> she thinks she's in a microwave. Just about <laughs> Holidays, the struggle well, is real. We all came flying in here anyways, like six things. I had six patients on the phone trying to get in the car. Poor Char's outside. My dogs are humping her and jumping on her. And- <laughs> Black. <laughs> She's got black pants on and white hair everywhere. I'm like, Scott, for God's sakes, get her outside. You know, throw her in the car. Or do something with her. The dog's like <laughs> mauling her. He's 100 pounds. He weighs more than you. Gosh, I'm so sorry about that. That was horrible. But anyways, we're all a little frazzled today, but that's okay. Um, they say rumination is a symptom of depression. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So if you find yourself dwelling that potentially you're on your way to some form of depression. I would agree with that. Hmm. You know, I've said this before. It is scary, isn't it? Yeah, because I am a warrior. I know. So I ruminate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when we're we're worrying, we're worrying about the past or the future. Hmm. I worry Um, about the future a lot. mm -hmm. uh, A lot. Mm -hmm. Like? Anything in particular you uh, talk about? Yeah, I mean, like, but how much time do we have? I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's serious. Yeah, like, I hear you. Uh, because I, yeah, <laughs> I consider myself to be. It's really funny. Maybe I've talked about this. Maybe I haven't. Yes. Just this year, maybe last year, I realized like. Oh my God, I have anxiety. Like, I never knew I had anxiety. Sure. I've never been diagnosed with anxiety. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't know that, like, these ruminating, th- and I don't think I have anxiety disorder necessarily, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I definitely have some anxiety that plays out in some ways in my life. And, you know, I'm a student and I'm going to be starting an internship in a couple weeks. Right and on. I am freaking out because I think, like, there's a lot, I, I don't want to go too much into that because I would talk about it for a long time, but I think. 
I'm finally having to start like taking what I learn and like apply it. So it's not just like going to school, going to school, going to school, going to school. Now I'm like, now I have to like do something with it. Mm -hmm. That freaks me out. Mm -hmm. But I think mostly I freak out about like the future and like being an older mom. And Gordon's 14 years older than me, Mm -hmm. and so like, Mm -hmm. how is that going to be? Like we um, we are very late bloomers in terms of like finances and money, and like Mm -hmm. we don't own our house and like. Mm All of this stuff, I can get really caught up in, like, what's going to happen? How's it going to be? And I try to break it down to one day at a time, but I get really anxious, and I get really anxious about, um, like, health and and yeah. and exercise and, like, mm-hmm. how am I going to fit it all in? And, like, mm-hmm. what if next year? Because, like, right now I do a good job of fitting it all in. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm set up to, like, accomplish my goals. But when you bring me more stuff in my life, then I start to freak out and I don't know how to do it. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to do it? Like, how am I going to wake up at night? Like, you know, I get up at 530 in the morning so I can ruminate, basically. There you, you know? go. Like, That's what we're talking um, about here. That so, is not healthy. I know. And it's and, not helping, is it? Um, no. No. It, no. I knew the answer. I no, just asked. No, it's not. And I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I know. But it, it does send me into some self-loathing in a way because sure. like, what I say about like my past is like, I have no regrets. And I really don't have regrets about sure. like my addiction and my past. I mean, I hate that I hurt people. But mm-hmm. other than that, like. I really do love my life today, and mm-hmm. I feel like if all of the things wouldn't have happened exactly the way they happened, I would not be exactly in this seat right now, right? Well, exactly. And I like the seat. I like my life. I mm-hmm. really, really, really like my life. Yes. However, when I look at our current – I think it has something to do, too, with my son being in school now mm-hmm. and, like – I sort of feel like for the first time I have to answer for myself. Like all these other people in our life like have way more money and way more like Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't bothered me in the past. But now it does because now it's affecting somebody else. So I start to beat myself up that I like squandered so many years like drinking and doing drugs that like even though I'm 45, I'm really kind of like 25 (laughs) in terms of like maturity and like adultness, Mm -hmm. you know, like so like I'm just graduating from college and I'm going to be 46, right? Mm -hmm. So like I can really – if I, I don't allow my, I'm pretty good at not allowing myself to go too full force down that path. But I'm also not willing to like talk to somebody about like saving for the future because right now we don't really have money to save for the exactly. future. Exactly. And listen, so it's like, listen, you know, my psychiatrist said this to me a long time ago and I have lived with, uh, it's one of those things that stuck with me. He said, Liz, <laughs> he's man of few words. Just trust me. <laughs> he said, Liz, there's always going to be bills and there's always going to be work. And I was just like, hmm. That makes a lot of sense. It does. It does. Because Scott and I, we didn't buy our new home, the home we're in now, until we were 40. It's the first home we owned together, you know. Um, it's And, yeah, I will have passing thoughts, you know. Uh, people, when, Don't you wish you had started your career sooner, Liz? I'm like, why would you say that to me? Yeah. It like, makes me feel like shit. Totally. Uh, well, uh, no. I, actually, I had a good I, – I like traveling around doing things. But now that makes me question how I think and feel about my choices, that I should have some kind of 401K and plan for my future and all that kind of stuff. Well, it looks like I'm going to be working till I'm almost dead. And but, <laughs> it's, That is what it is. And this is something I can do till I'm damn near dead. Because I'll have more knowledge every right, every year that right. I'm alive, sure, right? Sure. But the thing of it is, is that um, it, it, even if Julie think about this, even, no matter what. It, so let's say you know you get really ill and you have to go into the hospital at 86 or something like that. They're going to blow every penny you have saved is going to be gone. Yeah. In two years or less, and then you'll be on Medicaid. 
in a hospital or yeah. a nursing home or whatever. And God willing, I die on a treadmill. Okay? Because I don't want to, because after my mother, my aunt being in yeah. nursing homes, yeah, yeah. it's not happening to me. It is not happening to me. So that is wasted energy. Do what you want. Live where you can. Affordably, you know, enjoy your life. Stressing about the future. My daughter even said this. Well, he doesn't even have a 401k. I'm like, who told you don't even know what a 401k is <laughs> right, right. you're like, talking you're a nanny you know, right you know what i mean what are you worrying about that for you know right. there's something to worry about you do the best that you can families that are fully prepared um god bless them that's wonderful well i'm not i didn't come from a family like that we're not fully prepared i'll do the best i can and see where i land yeah you know but I, in my experience, from everybody I, I've seen, they've blown all of their family's money to keep them in a nursing home, which is what ten, twelve thousand, thirteen thousand a month, and that is some dump, by the way. And they spend all that, and then they end up on Medicaid. Yeah, you know. And I don't want to go to a nursing home. Don't ever let that happen to me. Ugh, okay. God, no way. Anyways, um, I keep telling myself, someone of us, somebody has to kill me. But I don't want you. <laughs> I watch a lot of ID, so I know nobody can get away with it. But at least try. Anyways. That's a side note. That goes to all my nieces that are younger than me. You need to take Aunt Liz out, no matter what I say. <laughs> okay, so mantras. Um, my mantra was always when I was getting sober and trying to feel better, um, you're okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Did you have a favorite one? I mean, the first one that comes to mind is like expect miracles. Like Ooh, I was I like really that. into that. Like I, I had the bracelet. I like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a breathe good one. out faith or breathe out fear. Breathe in faith was also wow. A it's faith. a long the one. I like that yes. one. Yeah, I'm mean, like I, all I could get out was you're going to be okay. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> don't freak out. You're going to be okay for the next seven seconds. Yeah. What about you? Um, when you said breathing, that kind of hit really close mm-hmm. because it's you breathe in the good air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I breathe out, and that which leads air. me back to um, a therapist, someone you trust, someone that can help you. Because what we're talking about here is ruminating thoughts that lead to a negative outcome. Um, before we can put the healthy pink stuff in here, you're going to have to purge the ugly black stuff right. that is toxic to your life. That either you use drugs or alcohol or your depression stemmed from, you have to, or your anxiety, that trauma needs to be sought after and figured out because somebody, you didn't wake up high, you didn't wake up depressed, things happen, came to, there's a biological component, but then you also add in trauma or you add in um, family situational stuff, you know, death and trauma, things like that, and that will add to your depression. So you have to be able to purge that out with somebody you trust, an unbiased person like myself, you know, you're, you know, well, you girls are my friends, but you know what I mean? Someone who comes in to see me is someone who needs help. And I am just feeding back to you what you're telling me. Do you understand what that means? You know, that's why you feel that way, you know, and then once you purge that black stuff, you can put the healthy pink things in there. Right. Because we keep trying to put the pink stuff in. But it keeps bouncing out. Doesn't always stay in there. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just thought of another one. Yeah. That's sort of fitting. And like some of the acronyms you learn, you know what mm. I mean? So like one of my favorite ones, there's so many for fear, but one of my yeah. favorite ones is like false evidence appearing real. Mm-hmm. So like mm. my thoughts are not truth. Like, you know, and like even I, I, just, I really like that one because mm-hmm. I think we convince ourselves that 
that like what we think or feel about ourselves is is the truth, and it's just not. It's mm-hmm. like we're we're dreaming up these terrible things that are not true. Yeah. Well, you, I, you go ahead, go um, ahead, Char. Um, there was one other one that stayed up on the mirror for quite a while, and it's something that Joan Fonda had, mm-hmm. Jane Fonda had said, um, that it is not our goal to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It's our goal to be whole. Mm, yeah, I like that. And that just resonated mm-hmm. with me. Well, and you know, that's like those teacups I bought the other day. Well, they're not teacups, they're cappuccino cups. Remember that beautiful teacup you bought me? Yeah. I love that. That's another gift she gave me. I'm spoiled. I got nothing. I, <laughs> I came empty handed. <laughs> this is a while ago. But anyways, um, I bought, the I saw them, on. I saw, <laughs> I saw them on TV and I had to have them because they're going to enhance my life and make me feel better and they were cheap. Okay, yep. I'm buying them for myself. They make me feel better. Do it if they bring you joy. Do right it. on. And so does a payday, by the way. Well, yeah. yeah. I love paydays. Damn, they're good. They're really tasty. This one being particularly <laughs> evil. What a great mantra that I like is feel the fear and do it anyways. That is a great mm. one. Do it, do it afraid. Yeah, I like that. Yes, game. just keep walking. Yeah. Yoga mind, one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Just keep going. Because I'll patients, patients that'll say to me, I can't do it. I can't do it. I just can't. Nope. Keep moving. Um, somebody brought this to my attention about laziness and depression. And I said, uh, uh, it's literally a physical thing. If you're depressed, you can't move your legs for sure. But I can't believe how much better I do feel when I do incorporate that physical exercise. But for a long time, I wasn't able to, Yeah, you know, and Mm -hmm. that that's another thing that I can really ruminate on too, Mm -hmm. is this like, you know, I, I mentioned before we started recording that like over the holidays, like I've been on a health and wellness journey and it's been going really well for a few years. You know, I've mm-hmm. lost weight. I have more to go. But like over the holidays, like I lost everything. I wasn't working out. I wasn't running. I was just yeah. eating everything. And talk about like the ruminating and the self-loathing and like the like yelling at myself and like, do I weigh myself? Do I not weigh myself? If I weigh myself and the number's bad, then I'm going to be really mad. But if I weigh it and then it's not good, then I'm going to think I can eat more. And like, oh my God, like what? And like, ugh, that's, I don't want to. I don't like it. I am right there with you. That's why I deleted every single app that I have. I deleted all of those apps on tracking weight and this and that and the other thing. I do use my Fitbit, which I like because it tells me uh, where my blood pressure is so I can freak out. Okay. So, you know, my heart rate's high. Oh my God. I think I'm having a panic attack. Okay. It's, I try to avoid looking at it as much as possible, see how many steps I can get in and so forth. But I deleted all that stuff because that's how it was becoming. Did I have too many carbs? Did I, did I eat too much? What did I have for lunch? Oh, that, and apples, 95 calories. Oh, oh God, my no. God. This is just, and then I was like, this has just gotten to be preposterous. And then from then on, then you're just, everything you eat or do becomes a guilt trip, getting on yeah. the scale. I will suggest this, weighing yourself every day so that you're not traumatized anymore. That is desensitizing <laughs> yourself to the scale. Well, that's what I used to do. So I, I'm on the whole 30 right now. Yes. And the whole 30 states that you may not weigh yourself the whole time. Really? You put your scale away, you get rid of it. Okay. Because the idea is this is not a weight loss program. This is a reset. It's designed to see how you feel. Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't define how you feel by the number on the scale. So there's also some things like for me, my body's fairly used to like whole 30-ish kind of things. I don't Mm -hmm. really have dramatic uh, beginnings. Like some people yeah. are like very sick in the beginning, very detoxing, which I mean, I hit it pretty hard over the holidays. So I'm surprised that I'm not feeling more terrible. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's different. It's like as soon as I start the solution, I feel great, you know. But the idea is 
I, I usually did weigh myself every day for exactly the reason that you said. Like, yeah. I want to know how that affected me last night. Sure. But I also think that like I have to like let go of some of that. Like it's everybody's if I feel different. really good and if my pants are fitting okay, then I'm okay today. Mm-hmm. Just keep yes. moving and keep not – I mean you can't eat pizza five times a week. You can't. Well, no. No, you can't. And like I always say, add healthy things to your diet, right. which is also going to help you mentally. Yes. You know, eating a sure. well-balanced diet is super important for anybody. Um, you know, we were talking about um, different ways to stop ruminating. So it takes two minutes for you to stop ruminating or have a ruminating thought. Okay? Two minutes to change that. That gives you time to maybe stand up, do a little cleaning, um, play a little video game, which I can lose four hours playing okay. video games. I love playing video <laughs> Me games. Too. I'm finishing God of War right now. I love it. It's, I don't know about that, but oh, I like my little what? game. What are you playing? It's called Toy Blast. <laughs> okay. I'm like a real gamer, girl. Okay. okay. I'm like on I'm PlayStation not. 4. Okay. okay. I'm still on Nintendo with Super Mario Brothers. That's as far oh. as I ever got. <laughs> All righty then. Okay. I always Super say Mario she had us bowling at the hospital. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I do like the Wii. I don't have one. You do? That's pretty fun. Well, I know, uh, you know, when I play Destiny, which is, uh, you know, you have to have, it's an internet deal. So I'm on there with a bunch of 12 year old boys. <laughs> And then there's me, and I look like a pedophile, I and I'm not. Say they're, they're I know. I'll check in your background. So I'm like, hey, who are you? You know, and I'm like, dude, like, can you help me out in level six? I'm having a hard time. I can't get through it. He's like, I can ask my mom. I'm like, your mom thinks it's fine. Don't worry about it. Just don't ask me any questions about where I am or what I'm doing. Or how old I am. How old yeah, I am. But I found that to be really distracting for me. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it, right? It's a lot of fun. I do. I love it. And that's a good way to stop ruminating about a thought or anything like that. Cooking is good. And then, of course, like we were saying, exercise. Exercise is super huge. Are you back into exercising again yet? You're kind of not. You're circling the drain on that one. What's up with that? I. Why are you not exercising? You were committed to the center. I know. Well, I let my membership (gasps) go. God forbid. My husband really didn't want me to renew it at that Mm -hmm. time. Um, okay. Can you walk? I can. And please don't ask me if I have both a treadmill and a stationary <laughs> bike in the basement. My elliptical is literally a clothing rack right now. It's in my office and it Stop has all it. our I, – I do a lot of stuff, but uh-huh. I'm not using this elliptical. And it really literally – we took a picture one day and it was in the background and somebody was like, oh, I like how your elliptical is a clothing rack. And I was kind of mad because I'm like, you know, I do a lot in my life just because I'm not – but like – I feel you. Okay, you want to talk about okay, this is off topic, but you want to talk about getting depressed. When I bought this stupid ass watch, okay? I count started counting my steps. Yes, my husband does that. Uh-huh. I well, I have a sedentary job. I sit at work all day long with patients. So and I ride a spin bike. So I attach the spin bike to my I attach the watch to my ankle or my hip in order to get it, you know, to to track the steps and it doesn't track it accurately. Because only says there's like two thousand steps in thirty minutes. Hell no, that should be more like five thousand. Okay, totally. I'm going like a hundred and ten. Yeah, on yeah, that yeah. Thing, right, and then then I go to work, and then it just stops. So I'm logging tops, maybe four to five thousand steps a day. Now that's depressing me. Yeah, you can so do like like paces around while you're waiting for them. Maybe yeah. you know. Could be when my daughters and I were out in San Francisco a couple mm-hmm. years ago. 
um, two of them had a Fitbit on, and so they were always keeping track of their steps. Yeah. So here we are at the hotel. One decides she's going to take the elevator. The other one says, nope, I'm, I'm doing the stairs sure. up to the sixth floor, right? Uh-huh. That's not that many. Mm-hmm. So we get in the elevator. The one that's in the elevator with me, she's running in place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. I know I find myself jumping around or whatever yeah. to get my steps in. I'll pace if I'm not at 10,000 or whatever my goal is. Really? I better get going. Uh, well, man. I'm running days. Sometimes I have like 25,000. Okay. I'm, I'm Sorry, I'm looking over there. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So um, – you're at what? 25,000? Did you say 25,000? Not today, but yeah, if I run, usually. That's... Oh my God. Okay. I better take it. Okay. <laughs> my husband told me he had walked across New Zealand or something. Really? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Now I'm depressed. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this is a feel good show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So a couple of things before we, as we wrap it up, because of course it went by in five minutes Fast. is, um, one of the first things you have to do to stop your rumination, to help you with your rumination, is find a person you trust that will help you read back your distorted thoughts to you. That is the number one thing you can do. Someone you trust that you know that's going to tell you the truth and tell you that's some crazy ass thinking. Okay, stop it right now. Write it down. Write down what they told you. Write down because you don't want to be badgering them constantly. Write down the truth about what you're really thinking about and how that really plays out in your life. Um, Is the story accurate? Um, are there inconsistencies? Um, is this your life in reality or are you adding to it because of your own guilt or your own bullshit that you haven't sorted through? Rumination is a symptom of depression. Jump on it, man. Talk to somebody. Get, bless you. Get with your therapist. Get with a good friend. Get with somebody and start recognizing what's going on there and don't let it get, um, to the point where you, of no return. Right? Correct. Right. Uh, don't beat yourself up. Everybody goes through this. Everybody's been through it. Use a good mantra. Do it in third person. I'm going to be okay. I, I will feel better. Um, I have faith in God. This is, this too shall pass. Whatever it may be is an important, um, aspect for you to look into too. Um, severe rumination is usually a part of, uh, worrying about the past or your future. You can't do anything about either one of those. Bless you. You can prepare for your future. You can't do shit about your past except for sort through it, realize your part in it and how it affected you. But other than that, you know what? It's up to the kitty gods as far as I'm concerned. And you got to quit being so hard on yourself. And let somebody in, please. Okay? Very let somebody important. in. Um, ladies, thank you for joining me once Thanks again. For us. Absolutely. Jules and Char, my two good buddies. Um, Jessica, my engineer, thank you very much, honey. Um, the outro is going to be from my brother Danny's band, Coup de Trois. It is Get Your Ass Off the Couch, which is so appropriate for all of us, right? <laughs> yes. uh, hey, and from me to you, be good to you. From my heart to yours, be good to you. I love you both, and namaste. 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 Thank you. Yo, what?
Get your whack bitch ass off my couch, motherfuckers.